Amen, amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. We're gonna look at just two verses this morning, verses 30 and 31. And if you're with us for the first time uh, today, let me just bring you up to speed. Uh, remember, we are in this series where we've been walking through this single chapter of Hebrews known as the Hall of Faith. Maybe picture like a museum with all these men and women, uh, their portraits hanging on the walls who exemplify to us what it is to trust God in all things. And along the way, we've been asking the same question or the same kind of question every Sunday of what does it look like for us to walk in their footsteps? Remember today, we've looked at Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and Moses. But today, we now turn to the story of Joshua and Rahab. Many of you will know it well, the battle of Jericho. So let's look at verses 30 and 31 of Hebrews 11. Hear now God's word for your life. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. So this morning, I wanna talk with you about barriers in our faith and the excuses that we make to perpetuate the problem. We're gonna talk about two things today, barriers and excuses. When you think about those two words, I wanna ask you two separate questions, one for each word. The first is when you think about your relationship with the Lord, um, where do you feel stuck? Just think that through in, in your mind. Where do you feel stuck when you think about your walk with God? And second, what excuse have you made in coddling that barrier? Barriers and excuses. Just imagine this scene with me. Um, in the book of jo uh, Joshua, chapter one, we're told Moses has died. Joshua is now in command of all of Israel. And after wandering in the wilderness 40 years, this is what God tells him. Look at this in verse two. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. Let's just try to fathom for a minute what it would be like to be Joshua, hearing that word from God. All these heroes have gone before him, right? Joshua could have walked through that hall of faith and he could have told you about all the portraits up on the wall. Remember, God had told Abraham from the very beginning this day was coming. He had promised him a people and a land. Soon you watch that promise carried through to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses. And now they've actually arrived. Joshua has just been told, unlike all those who went before you, you will have this land. Joshua, this promise will now be fulfilled through you. Look at this in Joshua 1 verse 7. God told him, do not turn from the left or the right that you will have success wherever you go. All you have to do, Joshua, is follow me by faith. Verse nine, he says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
This is a pretty sweet deal, right? Joshua, go with God's blessing. You go with God's protection. And yet I want us to see this morning that despite that command, Joshua had all these barriers between him and the promise God just gave to him. You know, it's important to understand, Moses was in this exact same place a generation before this. God had brought Moses up to the promised land and then he told him, hey, this is yours for the taking. So at God's command, he sends 12 spies in to this promised land, each from his own tribe, to spy out the new place. From those 12, one was Joshua, the other Caleb. 40 days later, they come back and 10 of the 12, they said, there's no way we can do this. This is impossible. Look at this in Numbers 13. He said, the people who dwell in this land are strong. The cities are fortified. This is not humanly possible. We're gonna get slaughtered. They said, we're like grasshoppers. And even though Joshua and Caleb, even back then believed this was easily doable, they were shouted down by those who chose fear instead of faith. Look at this in Numbers 14. Then the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. Verse four, and they said to one another, let us choose a different leader and go back to Egypt. Now remember, we talked about Egypt last week, right? That, that's the place where God's people were enslaved. Torture, suffering, right? Israel is now at the threshold of all the good things God wants to give to them. All they had to do was trust and yet they want Egypt. Kind of reminds me of a three-year-old temper tantrum. There's no logic here. You want to overthrow your leader who's brought you all over this place and go back to the blood, sweat, and tears of tyranny. So God partially gave them what he, they wanted. He said, fine. He said, for an entire generation, all of these, those of you 20 years and older, none of you will taste a promise. So fast forward 40 years, one year for each day they were in the land, spying it out, and go back to our lesson, and it's clear now that the first barrier Joshua has to overcome is the history of Israel's faithlessness. Israel had this record, right, this reputation of faithless choices where they, they refused to heed God's word. They refused to follow Moses, their God-given leader. They rejected the promised land. So you can imagine the kind of leadership required here, right? A generation later, and Josh was told to play the exact same gameplay. I feel like one of the greatest barriers in our faith is often the comfort of our past. Whether personally or corporately, like there always seems to be something behind us that wants to get in the way. Whether it's a past sin that we still struggle with or this false nostalgia as we look behind us. What are the six words of any dying church? We've always done it that way. Joshua was up against a wall, right? Long before he even got to the famous wall. And even if he convinces God's people to go, he's got this second massive barrier before him. And that is that Israel is on the wrong side of the Jordan River. Did you catch that? God told him the first thing we got to do is cross the Jordan. Now, most of the time, this would be quite simple. In fact, 
A few years ago, we went to Israel and we came up to the Jordan River and I remember being completely underwhelmed, like, that's it. But when God told Joshua to cross, you gotta get this, the river was at flood stage. Picture like Paradise Valley last spring. Joshua 3.15 tells us the banks were overflowing. It was humanly impossible. And we're not just talking about soldiers here. We're talking about priests, an ark, women, children. How's that going to play? Right there at the banks, Joshua could have just called it, right? And then there was the third barrier, right? That, that is that even if they actually made it to this wall of Jericho, by now the city's ready for them. At 40 years of preparation, Jericho was fortified with walls built to the heavens. Look at this in chapter six, verse one of Joshua. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people Israel. They saw them coming. No one went out. No one came in. You know, we always talk about a wall when we hear of the story, but really there was so much more standing between Joshua and the promised land. And yet by faith, all the walls come tumbling down. How is that? Makes me want to talk about barriers and excuses. Look at what Joshua tells God's people. Joshua 1 verse 11. He says, prepare provisions for within three days we're passing over this river and we're taking possession of the land that God has called us to keep. You know, when you think about preparation, I imagine for some of us, the, the barriers in our faith often come from two things. It's either a habit that we won't make or a habit that we can't keep. Either a habit that we won't make or a habit that we can't keep. For Israel, they had refused to make a habit of trusting in God, right? They wouldn't do it. Generation after generation, they, they chose grumbling and wailing time and time again. And even though God gave him his provision, they constantly waited and hesitated and even longed to go back to Egypt. Makes me wonder, what, what faith habits do you struggle to make in your life? Maybe it's something as simple as just gratitude or prayer or stopping to listen as you open God's word. It's not just the habit of faith that we won't make, it's the unhealthy habits that we won't get rid of. Right? Israel had this rich history of trusting in idols instead of God, of, of being pulled by fear and anxiety and their own game plan. We too have the same habits. This habitual sin cycle, right, that you know deep down is destructive and wounding. Maybe it's a habit of anger or a habit of gluttony, a habit of unhealthy news cycles, a habit of social media, of fear-mongering. Maybe it's a habit of gossip. I don't know yours, but you do. See, in beginning with Moses, Israel kept hitting this barrier. If they could find the convenient excuse, they took it every time. We can't go to that land. We're far outmatched, said the same people who were just set free away from Pharaoh and the army as God washed them with water. We can't find that battle. God will never provide, coming from the same ones who were watched over in the wilderness. 1949, Chuck Yeager was the first man on earth to fly faster than the speed of sound broke the sound barrier, never to go back. 
You know, today we watch fighter jets do this all the time in air shows, no big deal. But back in World War II, the, the myth of the sound barrier was a real formidable enemy. Pilots were so concerned about this, they named the invisible obstacle as the brick wall in the sky. That is, every time that the, the aircraft hit this magic speed, its controls would freeze up, the turbulence would make the pilot lose control, and they'd have to ease back on the throttle. They knew it was impassable, right? It was an impossible, unexplainable wall. Jaeger explained his predicament like this. He said, there's at least a dozen different ways that pushing this limits could kill you. He said his plane carried 600 gallons of ethyl alcohol fuel. He said at the flip of the ignition switch, his cockpit could blow at any minute. He said every time he flew that plane, it was like being strapped to a live bomb dropping from the sky. And yet just when everyone said it couldn't be done, Jaeger pulled off the impossible. Man, I wish it could be that easy, right? I wish it could just be a matter of trying harder and coming up with new technology and get the job done. And yet when it comes to our barriers and the excuses that we make in our faith, there's, there's something more amiss. Let me just make my case, right? What excuses do you make in your walk with the Lord? I'll start with mine and I've shared it before. You know, I'll confess mine is laziness. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sly about it too. Mine is laziness cloaked in busyness. As long as I'm busy, I'm distracted, right? And as long as I'm distracted, I don't have to stop and listen for God to speak the hard things into my life. Time's too precious. You want me to pray an hour a day? I've, I've only got 12 hours. That's a lot of emails I'm giving up. Habits we make, habits we won't let go of, barriers, excuses, Meanwhile, we have these other habits, just casual habits, like keeping up with our favorite sports teams. You can give the entire roster of the lineup in your fantasy sports league. Or we have these, these habits of binging our favorite TV serials. We know every episode by heart. But how quickly we'll forget the habit of meeting together, Hebrews 10, 25 says, as is the habit of some. How quickly we'll forget the habit of confession and accountability the habit of leaving God's precepts behind. Let's talk about baseball for a minute. I know some of us are down spring baseball right now in Arizona. And I found this list last week titled, Excuses for Missing Church, but in the context of a major league baseball game, okay? Hear me out. I'm gonna go from preaching to meddling. First excuse, I'm not going. Every time I go to the game, they ask me for my money. Those seats are way too hard to sit that long. That's a legacy problem, not a Bozeman problem. Last week, the game went into overtime. If they can't honor the clock, I'm not going. I don't need to go to the game to be a fan. I can be a baseball fan just as easily in the woods. I think it's worth thinking about, right? Barriers we perceive, excuses that we make. Joshua has all these barriers before him. The history of Israel's rebellion and sin, the impossible, impassable river, the wall that just a generation ago was considered too high to conquer. And yet, instead of pausing with excuses, he calls on God's people to prepare in faith. 1 verse 11, he says, prepare your provisions, we're going into the land. So the spies 
enter in, right? And Joshua learned from his past. He knew better than to put a committee of 12 on it. This time he just puts two men on the deal. And they meet this woman, a local, well-known in town, world famous today. Her name is Rahab. And you want to talk about barriers in faith, right? Rahab had all of them. She had fallen so far into this life of sin, she had become a prostitute by trade. I'm going to be bold here and say this. You think about Rahab's life. No one, no one grows up thinking, you know what, I think I'll sell my body to make ends meet. Somewhere in Rahab's life, you can only speculate, but there had to be some, some wounds that she carried, right? Some hardships she faced. The choices she made one after another after another into this slippery slope that now led to this lifestyle of transgression. Meanwhile, she's living in a city that was so corrupt and evil. Jericho was known in every sense of the word of every sin that you can think of. They made Las Vegas seem tame. And here's this woman, right, who if you looked at her past and the population that she ran with, you would think no way can God use her. You look at the place where she grew up and the house of sin that she had built. She's too far gone. Yet God begins to work a miracle, not only in the heart of this woman, but then carries his plan through her all the way to Christ. What was the barrier for Rahab? See, we should dig in here. What, what was the barrier for Rahab? Because I think here's where we get a little bit more of an answer to how we get through our barriers. It was the same problem that all of us face. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 7. Indeed, there is not a righteous one on earth who does good and never sins. Rahab's barrier was sin. She was so lost that the, her sin had become a part of her identity. She, she was known as Rahab, the woman of ill repute. And yet by God's providence, he sends these two spies from Israel. They find themselves at their, her house of all places. And even though the king had implored her to turn them in, she refused, took them up to the roof, hid them, and snuck them back out the city. Why is that? Hebrews tells us it was by faith. In fact, look at Joshua 2, 9 to 11. Look how this explains this. It says, I know that the Lord, this is her speaking, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that the inhabitants melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out from Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. She said, as, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. It's about as strong of a confession of faith as you can have from a woman of ill repute. So they tell her, they say, place this scarlet cord out your window. And when we conquer the city, we promise upon that sign, you and your family will be saved. A pagan, lost, broken, destitute woman with every excuse and barrier you can imagine, and yet in turning to the Lord, she finds deliverance. See, this is important, right? It wasn't so much that the scarlet cord saved Rahab. It wasn't this, this clever plan that she had made to sneak the spies out of the land. It was by faith. And as that cord hung out that window, just like the blood of the lamb over the Passover meal, it screamed, right, believer inside. So the spies return, 
And upon her word, this is what they tell God's people. They say, truly, the Lord has given the land into our hands. And also, the inhabitants of this land, they melt away because of us. So by faith, Israel crosses over the river. By faith, they put their trust in the Lord. By faith, as the priests put their feet into the water, it separates. The waters are cut off from flowing so God's people can get across. And by faith, they come to the wall of the city. Now, you know, as long as a city is surrounded by walls, right, it stands pretty well fortified against its enemy. We know this. History has told us this. You're not going to win, right? Every nation state in the planet knows this to be true. Whether you think of the classic wooden horse, right, by the Greeks or the, the Iron Dome of Israel today, for an enemy to conquer a city, it's got to get through the barrier first, See, and here's where I feel like we, we don't quite give proper credence to this story, right? We sing these songs. You know the children's song? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. You know the song? And the walls come tumbling down. We've, we've kind of turned it into a fun children's cartoon. But let's not miss the point. What God asks, when God asks Joshua... To do what he does, this is humanly speaking, and again, humanly speaking, one of the worst battle plans ever recorded in history. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, first, as they watch you coming, um, I want you to march around the city for six days. Let's give them plenty of preparation, and here's how it should work. Um, we'll have seven priests lead the charge with seven trumpets of ram's horns before this, this ark, and then on the seventh day, uh, I want you to walk around the city seven times, and then the priests will blow their trumpets. That way you're good and wore out. And then in that moment, everyone shouts as loud as they can, and that's when we'll start the battle. That's when the walls will come tumbling. Really, just ponder this. Just put yourself in Joshua's shoes for a minute. Would you not be like, God, are you sure about that? This is, this is not how you fight a battle, right? You fight a battle with, with clever tricks and torches and door rams. Six days, just as Joshua commanded, the priests go forward, the ark of the Lord following. Seventh day, Joshua gets up at dawn, Marches around seven times, seventh lap. The priests blow their trumpets. God's people shouted in victory. Walls fall down flat. City conquered. With a horn and some cheerleaders. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. See, we should ask, what was it that, that enabled Joshua and Rahab to break through all those barriers? It's a quick detail in the story, and I think if we'll blink, we'll miss it. But if you miss it, you might miss the entire point. And that is that the Ark of the Covenant went with God's people the entire way. Remember, the Ark was where God had manifest his presence, right? It was the place where God made himself known. In other words, God had gone with his people and before his people. That's how the victory ensued. See, ultimately, the barrier that comes between me and the Lord, whether I'm Rahab or, or Israel, whether I'm looking at the habits that I won't make or the habits that I won't break, every time it is the barrier of my sin. It's the pride in thinking, I've got a better plan. Of saying, well, I know your word says that. That's crazy, though. I'm going to do this. It's in the choices that I, that I make or fail to make in rebellion to him. 
It's the excuses by which I coddle my broken ways. Look at this from G.K. Chesterton. He said, we don't differ much about the things we'll call evil. We differ enormously about what evils we'll call excusable. See, here's the answer, right? By faith, God conquers a fortified city. By grace through faith, a woman finds salvation even in the depths of her brokenness and sin. See, it's crazy. Not only is Rahab saved from physical death, but you can turn to Matthew chapter one and you find her in the lineage of Jesus Christ of all places. By faith, the walls come down. Here's a thought for this week. Whether you find yourself feeling like Rahab and maybe you've never put your trust in the Lord before, or you feel like Israel and you've been wrestling with excuses and you know it, hear this. God is far from done with you. Don't for a second believe that you are too far gone from God's grace. Don't tell yourself the lie that you can't change. Don't tell others the situation is too far gone. Don't believe the falsehood that I'm too far away to grow in faith. Or right here, this, I've been around long enough, this is about as far as sanctification is gonna go for me. Now the way that we fight our battles is not by our own flesh, by repentance and the power of Almighty God. Just close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and just hear this from God's word. I'm gonna read you a couple of scriptures and just let this pour over you for a minute. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfect in your weakness. James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God, resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. One scholar said it like this and I'll close here. He said, at the end of the day, you are either inside the walls of Jericho, comfortably settled in your life's pattern of sin, or you are on the outside, obstacles before you, trusting God in faith to conquer and overcome the barrier that stands between you and him. Let's ask God to help lead us this week. Will you pray with me? Hey God, we... We thank you, Lord, for making a way where there was no way, God. Lord, as we look at the, the barriers in our life, we can come up with all kinds of excuses. And yet, Lord, we know ultimately that the biggest barrier resides in us. And you have made us this promise that in Jesus' name, that that barrier, when we call upon you, has been washed away. And so God, we pray, would you keep us from getting caught up in the, our history and our past? Lord, would you help us from the, the habits of sin and brokenness that are within? God, would you replace those with new habits of faith and of trusting in you? And God, as we look forward to eternity, as we look forward to the promised land, that will be glory in heaven with our God. Lord, would you help us not to pause today, but would you help us to prepare 
to make preparations for that day to come. God, sanctify us in your grace. Lead us by your truth. And all God's people said, amen.